0: everyone, welcome to Third Coast Gaming Impressions. Today is September 21st. It is Tuesday. It is episode 44. We keep going. I am joined by my co-host, Austin Taylor. Hi there.
1: Yeah, you are.
0: It's me. And I'm
1: back from He's where back. I was before.
0: I haven't heard from him in a week. That's a lie. We played video games like yeah, a day or we two have, ago. We haven't
1: spoken in, in a week. It's. I've been busy... Avenging the wrongs done to me by Johnny Ringo.
0: I don't know the reference, but um, <laughs> we played GTA 2 That's a game. Who's Johnny Ringo? What's going on? Do that's a, a, that's a different Ringo? thing. That's Is a different reference. It's gonna
1: come up, in, it's gonna come up in other in later impressions.
0: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Can't wait to talk about. We're we're also gonna talk about Carl of, Call of War as gunslinger, as well as. Me talking about Red Dead for another week and yeah. some boyfriend dungeon. Hopefully, that's uh that's what we're gonna go on in this show today. I'm starting a new starting a new section. It's called What's in the Show, where I tell people what's in the show. So maybe they'll stick around. Um, <laughs> State of DK, co- State of DK too, is pretty cool. Uh, I I'll let you run off from it because I think you've played a lot more and as well as like the first game.
1: Yeah, yeah, so this is, you know, State of Decay is developed by Undead Labs. That first game is released, I believe, in 2013 on, like, the Xbox Live Arcade uh, sort of label, which is the 360-era sort of marketplace for what we would now call indie games, So and also some smaller games, you know, developed by larger studios, uh, which is, and this sort of State of Decay is just a, you know, zombie apocalypse, standard fare. Uh, survival game that focuses on community building um, you know the first game has like that one ca- one campaign where you're some fella named Marcus and you switch between like other community members as you assemble them and you're you know managing resources and then they make this second game in like 2015 or 2016 I honestly can't remember the
0: I got the date it's May ah. 22nd 2018
1: ah 28, Damn. That's yeah the first game
0: June 5th 2013
1: hell yeah I got that one
0: right? Oh god i'm watching this gameplay the first game this is uh the first game's real rough like i'm into i'm into like its style
1: yeah like it's there's a reason why that first game when i finally buy it in like 2015 i play that for most of my senior year of high school i am continuously returning to that game even though i have a playstation 4 and am putting a lot of time into the two expansions that came out with that because like it it was a very rare thing uh but that game an Xbox 360 arcade game under that label had two expansions, one of which was a sort of continuous adventure where, you know, the original campaign ends once you get to the ending. Uh, that campaign that you can get as DLC just continues uh, as and resets the map as you sort of hit that end state. And then you have a third expansion that is, you are the military, you are getting survivors out of a heavily infected city, and you are constantly doing high level horde missions uh where they all come okay. to kill civilians as you're evacuating them it's a fun more game. like a
0: more like a survival mo- like a wave-based mode yeah. at the end there just yeah. kind of messing with their like s- toolbox that they can like s- do stuff in yeah i will say like okay my junior and senior year was like me playing fallout for yeah. like 100 hours so i can definitely see this being like an endless open world where you just you're just coming home from school you're, you don't have a job and you're just doing this because it's senior year who just barely do your homework i don't fuck it dude
1: yeah i mean you know thing is, is you don't really have to put much time to your homework if all your homework's very easy because you don't apply it yourself
0: um, that's true gotta gotta keep that c and b average going
1: yeah I, mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i kept it most of it i don't know whatever i took easy classes i didn't take ap stuff yeah besides
1: that so state of 2 comes out and it's got a much bigger focus on like uh the procedural generation of its characters right so every character is randomized uh they each have traits uh and you'll start up a game with two or three characters you have uh sort of standard templates like the lovers the father-daughter kind of thing, the business partners, you know, best friends, I believe, are examples. And you start with these two randomly generated people, and then you go out into the world, you get a little tutorial on how to kill the zombies, use a gun, uh, manage your sound levels, because you're constantly emitting sound as you do certain actions that will attract zombies. Um, And then also base building, which is you find a big enough house or a warehouse or some other such structure, and you start installing uh, little, like, working areas, you know, barracks, uh, workshops where you can make equipment such as uh, gun equipment and the such. And, you know, that's st- that's that's really the game in the long run, right? Uh, State of K2 also has, like, two other expansions, one of which I believe is a sort of re... Redo of that first game's horde mode. The second one is a attempt at a real narrative campaign, which takes you back to the location of the first game and puts you in a higher, uh, higher difficulty environment where you fight face off against a new sort of plague threat, uh, just called the plague walls, which are just really big zombie spawners. Um, and that's sort of that it's called the heartland DLC. That DLC is the setup for the homecoming DLC which puts that first game's map into the main mode of state of K2 which is its various campaigns and that's what we played.
0: Oh I thought we were on a different area. Don't know.
1: No, no, you brought us back into... like The world that you made was Trumbull Valley, and that is the location of that first game. Now, I hit
0: Interesting. my desk. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Apparently, I should have started on Meager Valley, according to Google. That's an okay map. Anyway, side, side note. That's a side note for another campaign I might start. Because I have been wanting just to do a little bit of this solo... I think the co-op we played was really fun. I have a thing in me where I want to throw this game on easy and just kind of like mess around in the open world. Yeah. And there are the option. I think there's like four difficulties to kind of ramp this up into how much you want to interact with the like diminishing um, like survival aspects. Whereas like the world is taking away like your food resources to keep your base fed with like your multiple survivors in there. And your gas supplies and your ammo supplies. And I think materials. building like materials yeah. is like the other type of supplies. Which are like, you pick them up, they're big rucksacks you put on your back. And you can store them into cars. But normally as a character you can only hold one. And then you can give one to yeah. each of your companions. So it's very they're very heavy, but they are very useful. And then you can get more of those when you have your bigger base. And you can go slightly... Claim smaller outposts that will generate those resources, depending on what resources your base tends to need more of. Which seems to be like we needed. F- I, I. It seems like food is a big one, and then I can't tell which ones deplete faster.
1: So. I- so like you know the resources deplete based off of you know various uh, modifiers. So food is definitely the big one that depletes because food. Right, it's stored on like a scale of one to like you know you fill up without upgrading your storage to twenty five, right? So if you have twenty five food resources uh, for every character in your enclave or in your community, one of those food will food resources will be taken away daily. So in my campaign that I'm doing, I have seven people in my enclave, so I'm losing seven food per day. So I have two different outposts that are built around getting me food resources, and I'm also consistently going out to the world to look for more. Um, And that's something I have to do just about every day uh, in that game's in-game, in an in-game day.
0: Yeah, and I will say, I I have very well enjoyed how, like, unique the, like, gameplay loop of this, where there's not a lot of zombie games or open-world games that are like this. I mean, there are open-world survival games that are similar, that i can rattle off but i really enjoy like the zombie survival setting like i and like it's not as much of a survival game but i like dead rising and i like um last of us which is more of a solo single player like linear thing and then i'm trying to think of the other one that's like i think like day uh not daisy the what's that playstation 4 one where you're the motorcycle guy. Days, days gone i think about days gone too because i have it for free and i'm like i could i could play this for like 10 hours and just kind of see what yeah. it's about and do the zombie thing sure, so sure. i think like the motorcycle stuff is really interesting in that whereas in this like you you have a base this this is like i will call this the walking dead simulator 2020 or you know those yeah. type of games where you you have like those early seasons of the walking dead is they have a base and they're going out for supply runs. And sometimes they meet some bad people who they get in arguments with. And then there's like a central protagonist every season. Yeah. And it's- you're kind of getting this in there. You have your base. You can park cars in it. You have all these characters who are... Very unique and have their traits and personalities, and you're switching between them because, like, a character will be fatigued, and you have to switch to a new one. And they have certain missions that are bound to each type of characters. And I, I have very enjoyed that that loop that's in this game.
1: Yeah, like it's it's the second season of The Walking Dead in the form of a video game, which is like a pretty I don't want to say like it's it's a novel enough angle, right? Because even looking at you know these other games that we mentioned. Uh, Like, The Last of Us has no sort of community aspect to it outside of its some points in its narrative. Um, Where Days Gone does actually have some community uh, focus to it, it's never necessarily about building that community up in any way that isn't about it benefiting you directly. Uh, Because you are a sort of central figure as Deacon St. John, like you are a set character. Whereas with Days Gone, because your priorities have been sort of expanded to just this community as a whole that you're building, not like any individual character living within that community, it's it's a lot more like interesting and I think deeper in how it wants to sort of look at the ways like how you build a community, like a relatively like positive and healthy community in this like r- horrendous situation. Um, there's definitely it's definitely lacking in the ways that you deal with say people's like emotional needs i would say like you can really fix that problem by making sure that there are enough beds and that you have uh, a building like a lounge set up but but it gets closer than i think any any bigger sort of zombie game that i can think of in exploring this part of the apocalypse
0: yeah and i think that works i I have only played the co-ops that we did. I think you've played more of the the single player for two, but I think the co-op works to a degree except that like only one person's world is the one that's making progression. You bring your characters over and you can level them up, but you're not doing anything for your one. I hope in 3 they have like a shared. It's like you're creating almost like a Minecraft server where yeah. both of us are can do stuff in it. Like if you leave, I can do stuff while you're gone or maybe there's an agreement between the two of us where we're only making progress when we both want to log in, some kind of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because my understanding is when Days Days Gone 2 came out, I don't think Microsoft owned Undead Labs. Um, Yeah. of course, now they do, so hopefully, like, being under the Xbox umbrella, they might get some more resources, and once they come out with that third game, there could be some really interesting stuff in it. Uh, Because that co-op sort of mode in this game, like, I can make progress towards my own thing, right? Like, when I access the supply locker and the, in community members, it's all coming from my community, right? And I am actually affected in what I can do based off of, like, what you have in your community. For instance, when I was, you know, in your world, um, I couldn't, because you had built a workshop building, uh, I couldn't repair my weapons.
0: Huh. Uh, that's that's bad. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, but the thing is, is when I go to the supply locker to you know change that those weapons out, I'm changing out from my supply locker, uh, which includes like my high sort of in-game assault rifle that could carry like fifty-one bullets in it, um, and absolutely just unload on some fools. So there is this these sort of uh, disparate elements that. Kind of make the co-op in this game very a real mixed bag of an experience. Like it's very fun in the moment to moment in that you know we get into a location and we're both scavenging. I think that uh, the fact that it denotes the containers I can actually search through and the ones you can search through as two different containers is kind of annoying. Like different container types by like color coding it is kind of annoying. Uh, but aside from that, just the most of it is is fun enough. I just have to make sure that if I have a resource that you need, I put it down somewhere where you can get to it. And I just wish that wasn't necessarily something I needed to worry about as much. And that's why, like, yeah, as sort yeah. Of a shared world is my fantasy for that third game. That is something I want to see.
0: Uh, yeah, that'll be really cool. On. I many games have done like co op resource looting differently. The closest one I can think of is like. This is different, but it's like Ghost Recon Wildlands had, if I pick up a mod for a weapon, you'll just pick it up too. Because yeah. we're both looting this area, but it's all like preset unlocks in like a checklist. Whereas this is like, yeah, you're getting resources for food and all this other stuff. There's there's probably solutions, you know, there's there's probably a chart of... a. a in my mind there is a whiteboard of how do we make co-op better with scribblings on do we do this decision this decision or this decision and yeah it's it's a bunch of different stuff the the color code looting's okay i think it solves like one person's in an area and just loots everything there but i think that kind of also if you're playing with someone you trust yeah. not just a random person you match made with yeah i think that your shared stuff is better but I think the color-coded looting probably works better with a, if I I'm playing with strangers yeah. and like they're not just taking all the resources. Well, and that's stuff. the idea, right?
1: Like it's very much a anti-griefing measure um, that does hinder the the sort of experience between trusted players. Um, you know, and the thing that I'll also say is it might not even necessarily be that necessary because when you think about how much a character by themselves can actually carry, um, it's no more than like. Mm, like 12 or so items at any given point in time you know if you and that's including uh as assuming that you have like the biggest backpack which gives you eight inventory spaces uh you also have empty pockets and you have two of your say equipped inventory slots like one of your weapon two of your weapon slots are empty right so that's that's assuming a lot where usually it might just be it'll probably be less than eight inventory slots per each person so you can't actually carry that much on an individual basis
0: yeah so i think you know it came out and there's some stuff that'll yeah i hope like state of decay 3 fixes some of these like weird things that are like not the most optimized solution that they came up with i don't Um, yeah i
1: don't think they're they're unaware of like the problems with their with the second game i think they they understand and it might have just been a resource
0: yeah, so hey, you know Microsoft acquired State of Decay Two, and it looks like it was June twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think it's really cool. This is a really good Game Pass game. um It's on PC Game Pass as well. It was so easy for us to match make because the Microsoft friends list is shared between PC and console. Oh yeah, so I invited you to my party chat. We just loaded each other's game and went. You know, it's like we were both playing on consoles. Totally great. I'm really glad I grabbed a... There is a nice thing where, like, I have people who play PC stuff, and I can join them on a console because of this, and I hope there's a lot of Game Pass games that, like, continue to do that. I'm sure Sea of Thieves is the same. I think... I'm curious if Master Chief Collection is the same way. Yeah, it's like Xbox. To into it.
1: Xbox games have been this for, I think, like, a year or two with their Play Anywhere initiative. Like, you can matchmake with most games, I think. Like, most first-party games.
0: So, hey, as it turns out, Game Pass and Microsoft continuing to offer very good, like, like options for playing and, like, not just buying $60 games, where you're just subscribing to their service. And I think with Game Pass Ultimate having streaming coming to PC and Xbox Where you're basically streaming They they have almost said it's the Equivalent of streaming a Series X Game Mm -hmm. to uh, I think they said Phones it's not going to be the same as a Series X on a phone but like I have an Xbox One S that I can Give to someone and they could Play Series X games if they have You know good enough internet which Depends on where you live and How much money it is But That's an option for people if they don't want to get into the new because because those are harder to find. But you can get a you can get Xbox One S or One X pretty easy, and they're usually a lot cheaper if you want to be in the subscription fifteen a month. But I think that's cool option. I think that's on PC as well in a certain degree. So that stuff's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's just a really good game because I've been going through a lot of podcasts recently, and it's just it's a really good game to uh, just have on hand for when I want to just you know just vibe with something as I listen to like a like a Twin Peaks podcast or a actual play.
0: And to the next game, uh you've been playing some Call of War's Gunslinger. Was this on sale? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so GOG had like a a fall sale, I think is what this one was. I did No, so they had a first first they the first person shooter sale, um, and on that sale was the games Singularity, and Call of War's Gunslinger, and I bought both of those. Uh, Singularity because its normal price is ridiculous, and uh, getting it at sort of set for seven bucks is you know a steal when you look at the fact that Activision does not like lower the price of their older games. Um, yeah, so I bought and played. started playing Call of Warriors Gunslinger. Uh, this is a game, like the setup for this game is, it's 1910, a 101-year-old man walks into a bar, sits down, and starts telling his story about his life as a bounty hunter. Um, and it's pretty fucking rad.
0: It is very fucking rad. I played this when it came out in 2013, because my friend and I were so heavily into i think red dead one came out at around the same time yeah i think red dead one was like 2010 i have to look up the date but gunslinger is 2013 but we were playing online yeah it's 2010 but we were playing online for about a year or two and this comes out and he's one of my friends my friend andy is way into this and i had seen coverage of gunslinger i think i ended up buying it as well and playing it yeah yeah it's a really cool first person shooter i think and the stylization of it is really cool. It's very, it's almost cell shaded.
1: Yeah, it's like, it has a storybook sort of uh, real dime novel art, uh, like cell shading that goes into it, right? Yeah. It's like, it's kind of, uh, you know, just the, because of the resources that everybody did, it kind of, I don't want to say impressionist because I feel like that's a very intentional thing and I don't know what they were doing, but it is like out of the page of an adventure book. Real yeah,
0: play. and playing it at the time, it gave me, like, the Borderlands 2 vibes, except, you know, it's yeah. a Western. I think this game released um, at a cheaper price point, because it is, like, a smaller game than the yeah. other two Call of Juarez games that Techland put out. Uh, I think it launched at, like, $20 or $30. Yeah, so
1: this was another, like, Xbox 360 arcade game. Um, and that would have been, I think, I think at, yeah, like, $20, $25 uh when it came out and
0: yeah i think it was 20 dollars oh yeah they put it on switch too at some point this came out it's everywhere that's cool it was 15 it was 15 it was 15 Uh, dollars um that's that's i think it came to pc i think it came to ps3 as well at some point yeah it's it launched pc xbox live psn for 15 dollars and this game played like i remember i have very fond memories of like the reload animations and the shooting animations of the all the guns you kind of have, because it's so stylized. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, it's like you know, because um, you're going through this game, you're going through like a number of first-person shooter levels. It's almost a shooting gallery game. You have like I think six or seven guns in total, and like your upgrade path. Because, you see, know, as you're killing people, you're getting XP because it's that sort of era of games. Um, as you're like hitting your upgrade path, you're getting more like attributes to, you know, like how you use your guns and how some animations play. And there comes like an upgrade that you get that is just mash X or the reload button to reload faster. And so it basically turns you into like, if you've seen the the dark tower movie or a clip from the dark tower movie where Idris Elba's character, uh, the gunslinger is reloading his gun. You look like that in a real way.
0: Yeah, I remember that skill very well. And, hey, I think I have it how long to beat. It's about five hours, and if you're doing extras and completion, it's seven to 13. Aren't you also, like, you're a bounty hunter, right? You're you're hunting down, each level's kind of, you're hunting down, like, a new bounty target, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: so, like, you know, this is, you know, set up being the, the recollection of the exploits of one Silas Greaves, right? This legendary bounty hunter. Uh, who, you know, like is is fabled by, you know, uh, all these, like, you know, we just said dime novels. Like you're one of the people you're telling your tale to. This kid named Dwight is so into your like mythos that he knows of all the exploits that you've done. And most of this game is like, well, that's not how it really happened. And so the way that levels play out is this exaggerated detailing of your own like exploits of the form. Of like you know of like you know games in that you are gunning down literally hundreds of people.
0: Yeah, almost like a um, tiny that tiny Tina DLC where it's like this is not. Re- yeah, it's like this real is not in a way. This
1: is not really what's happening. Like Silas, like Dwight will embellish based off of what he's read from the book that he has in his hand and silas would be like that's not that did not kill nearly that many people i killed a lot of people but it was not nearly that many um, and then eventually you know as you you know because every level is like a new bounty or sort of a new like bounty objective that may or may not end with a duel um, eventually it gets to the point where silas is exaggerating his story because he's getting increasingly drunk uh to the point where his story, like, there's a point where he describes having a gun battle with Jesse James, arguably, like, the most famous outlaw of, like, the Western mythos. And the result of that gunfight, of that duel, is you wound him bad enough that he has to stop being abandoned, right? You don't kill him, but you deliver unto him wounds that means he can't, like, be a uh, gunslinger anymore. He can't effectively fight. Uh, And That's what opens up the opportunity for Robert Ford to assassinate Jesse James. Right, so this character is spreading out, like sort of embellishing his own influence as he becomes like increasingly drunk uh, throughout the telling. And it becomes like a less sort of stable recollection of these events in a really interesting way.
0: Yeah, and I almost forget because I, I don't think I played a lot of stuff in the 360 era. But I remember it was Call of Juarez 1, which was like a 2009 360 game. And then the sequel, Bound in Blood, was a prequel. Both of those were in the West. And then they went off and did a Call of Juarez The Cartel, which is like a modern day setting that deals with the cartel. And you're, you know, it probably takes place in El Paso, yeah and all that kind of stuff and i I don't think people like the cartel a lot and they're like yeah we want to go back to doing the western stuff so that's kind of how gunslinger came about and i think yeah they went off and did more with like dead island and dying light after this yeah so 2011 was before gunslinger and it was dead island and then Dying Light in twenty fifteen, or I I have felt like in playing Dying Light, I was like, oh, this kind of has like, I can feel some of the like bones of like, the older like, Call of Juarez stuff in this as well. And I really like Techlands games. I should go back and play Gunslinger. It's a dope ass fucking game.
1: Yeah, like it's like, you know, I I don't. <laughs> I don't. I just. I just did look at the docket of like things we have. It's like, oh, I just remember we we're gonna talk about Red Dead Two again. But like, uh, I don't mean to like say this specifically because we have Red Dead Two coming up here. But like, I would say like Gunslinger is like pretty easily probably the best western game to come out of like the 2010s.
0: I It's very good. I think. Uh, even looking back, I'm looking at the Calvaras, One and Bound in Blood gameplay. Those. Those are also very interesting. Like first-person western games where i don't think the shooting like the shooting in red dead 2 is good to a certain degree but it doesn't it's not as favorable to like being well i mean it's just like red like the gunslinger is like a fun game where when i aim at radical something i'm I'm usually hitting it is what i remember and they want you to be much more precise and two, with like the Waiting for the reticle to come down, or like using auto aim and stuff. Like I really, I want to play Red Dead Two with free aim, first person, and aiming down sights. But I, I never feel as accurate in those well, as like accurate in the sense that I want to be a fun gunslinger, and not and just point at someone and shoot like a first person shooter.
1: Well, I mean, it's mostly like like gunslinger is. On, on its sleeve, right, it tells you that it is emulation. It is emulating Western stories, you know, to the point that this is just a Western story where you are playing an OC who gets to have, like, shootouts with Jesse James and gets, like, the, you know, air quote, like, real sort of experience uh, ending of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right? Um, like, the narrative at work here is just, An interesting...
0: A dog's barking. Yeah. Gunslinger's really cool. You're a bounty hunter. Okay. Okay, Short experience. Hello.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's... It's this... Take on a form that I don't think, like... Red Dead, either of those games, like, does particularly well. Because those games are mostly about being sandboxes where you can run around... And like conquer a world right where you go around and you tame and claim the air quote dying west Um, and the narrative isn't actually really about what does like the dying west look like Um, and gunslinger like kind of is and that's why like that's why I like it a lot more than like either of like those highly produced big cowboy sandboxes that is like kind of The canon of like the western game right the image that everyone gets
0: well the even the older two games bound in blood and the first call of wars they're much more brief linear experiences where you are getting a set story told to you as long as well as like you know kind of these what would you call them like single player shootouts that are like specifically made for like a single for like a campaign instead of like your open world missions where you have your single player stuff and then you have the open world in between those missions where this is much straightforward shot Yeah, like yeah i think they're two really different experiences that are both fun in like different ways yeah
1: the other thing is like the dueling system in this game like in gunslinger is is just really cool Right, because the dueling system in here is like, you, you know, like once you get to the end of a chapter, you get like a named character, uh, and then the camera pans down to like, center your gun in its holster and your hand above it, and to your right, you know, in like the sort of background of the image, you have your subject, and you're using the two, if you're playing it on a control anyway, you're using the two like thumbsticks to manage the positioning of your hand to your gun and the focus of your reticle on the uh, on your opponent. And the way that you play around with that and the way that the game plays around with that um, as the chapters go on is really interesting to the point that it culminates in you using that mechanic to basically emulate the ending duel of the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Yeah, so that also very cool game hey did you ever play gun did you ever i, I hear don't, about gun i've heard about it was like a gun. western game I don't think it I've was ever like played gun though yeah it was like it was that ps2 xbox generation and there was like a 360 port but it was a never soft western that was a uh, kind of around the same time as that first red dead the one before redemption one like yeah. Red dead revolver, revolver. Yeah. yeah and you could like you would be Doing your third-person action stuff, and you could also just aim down sights for certain things, and it just never felt good on a PS2 game. But it was, it was also a pretty interesting one of those like coming out from this time. Like you have Deadeye, where like in Red Dead, where it slows down time, and you're kind of locking onto people and shooting them. And to get health back, you have like a you have like a bottle of whiskey yeah. on the side that you're taking drinks out of to bring your health back yeah. up. Classic, classic, yeah. So, I'm curious if you end up beating this, if, you, if you'll if you play, like, those first two Call of Juarez games, because they're both Western. It's much like uh. Gunslinger, but they're more... It's about two brothers and a younger brother, and they both used to be in the Civil War, and they left. And it's what their story is coming to the West after the Civil War, and their brother's like a... I think he's a priest or something?
1: I I doubt it. Like... You know, like the, the attraction of Gunslinger is that it's is like is the way that it plays with the form of westerns, right? Like, you know, like when we look at when we talk about um, how kind of poorly how such a poor fit uh, westerns are for video games as a medium, because like westerns as a as narratives. Aren't fundamentally about gunfights in the way that video games have kind of made them out to be. Um like Gunslinger kind of gets that and like plays up that heightened aspect of Silas's recollection of his, you know, of his bounties, and that's why there's so many people for you to kill. That's why you are literally killing hundreds of people. And like the people you're talking to, because you have that crowd listening to your story, uh, Ben, Dwight, Jack, Steve, and Molly. Like Jack is the continuous skeptic who's like, I can't, like, I do not believe that you have killed hundreds of people. And Silas is just like, well, I mean, I'm telling you, that's what happened. Um, and the way that, like, Gunslinger plays around with that is so very unique to that individual game. I don't think I'm going to look at Bound of Blood and, like, look at its shooting gallery levels and be like, yeah, I want more of this necessarily. I might when they're on sale again but but it's not like it's not a priority i think i got what i want out of gunslinger
0: yeah and it's it's like such a what i would call best of western kind of in a way where you're hitting all these characters from western movies and western like mythos you know and it's doing all of those things in such a brief time that i think works to its advantage very well
1: oh yeah like, if this game was 8 or 10 hours long, I'd, I'd be much less hyped on it than I am. It's, like, less than 5, and I think that's a big reason as to why I think about it. I'm like, man, this is just... I'm going to keep this on my hard drive. This
0: game's cool. Yeah, it's cool to pop back in and play it every now and then. I, I kept it on my PS3 hard drive for a while after I... I don't remember if I beat it, but I would definitely hop in and start a new game and do the openings and stuff. And I remember when this first that first came out that I had I hadn't... Really heard of the other Call of Wars games besides reviews that would come out of like GameSpot and IGN. Yeah. And at a point I was like, oh, I really like this. I should go back and play them. But I think other games came out and didn't end up doing it. But I'm curious what my thoughts would be if I played all three of those games. I'm sure I think Gunslinger shines the brightest of the three. But I think. I watched some playthroughs of one and two, and I really like yeah. the voice acting cast. Yeah. so that could be something. I mean, there's a reason like, for me personally.
1: Bound in blood, like I don't want to say popular popularizes the series, but like bound in blood, like is a really a uh, big game for that moment that it came out in, right? Like it was very popular at the time. That was leading some of the big air quote discourse, um, and they kind of ruined that with a cartel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but speaking of dying of, light, too. Speaking of westerns,
0: speaking of westerns, hey, uh, before we started this podcast, I played like two hours of two or three hours of Red Dead. So here's my oh, no. my, my weekly Red Dead two. Um, last time we checked in, Arthur and the gang had arrived to uh, um, Saint Denis because we are looking for the person who had kidnapped Jack's son. Mm-hmm. Or Art, Jack is the son. Jack is the son. But uh, John Marson's son, Jack. Yeah. Yep. So we're trying to find them. So the last mission I did, it's it's like one of the first missions you do in Saint Denis is Arthur's coming up to a bar, and someone taps him on the shoulder, and he's like, "Put up your hands, outlaw!" And it's actually Dutch just fucking around with you, because they're kind of getting you into a little more of like you and Dutch having more conversations in like this beginning of St. Denis. So we're talking about finding people around St. Denis who know about the person who kidnapped Jack.
1: Yeah.
0: So I talked to the bartender and he's like, I don't know who that person is. You shouldn't ask about them. Please leave. <laughs> and then as I'm leaving, a patron comes up to me and is like, Hey, the kids in this town know who this person is. So I go to this um, side, like, alley, and there's some. There's a couple kids in there, and they're, like, the local ruffians, uh-huh. what I would call, like, the, the, the gangs of children. The ne'er-do-wells who know the town very well, but also like to rob people. Yeah. And, of course, you get robbed by this kid, but the first thing that happens is that there's three of them, and they're all kind of – they all – you're in the middle, and they are all make a triangle around you as you're talking to the the one in front of you. And he's like, hey, do you know where this guy is? And he's like, yeah, for $5, I'll tell you. And then Arthur's like, that's a lot of money. I could go to, like, New York for that much money. Just (laughs) kind of making a joke about it. Yeah. So the kids kind of start showing me around the town a little bit. And then they rob me. And you get an extended chase sequence where you're chasing the kid. And at the very end of it, there's, like, 10 of these kids in this area. And two of them are holding shotguns up to me. And you're talking to them. About how you paid one of them To get some information but they ended up robbing you Instead because you're trying to talk to the leader of the group mm-hmm. And he's almost framed as, as Like badass of these neer wells and He's just like writing you off as like a newcomer Yankee who shouldn't be asking About the kidnapper Who's like a very big Part of this town I'm guessing Because I haven't, I haven't gotten further in it but he tells you A building To go to and then you go back to Dutch And Dutch is like it took you a while to get back here arthur and arthur's like yeah some kids robbed me don't ask about it they kind of play that yeah and then i think i talked to a um a missionary in the town who had lead me to a like point of interest to free some slaves that the town underground is kind of like shifting around because this is set in like 1899 I think after the civil war and slavery has been abolished. So there is like an underground set of people who are still doing that. So I'm curious if that'll come up or if that was just a one-off thing, but St. cool. I went and got Arthur's haircut and bought some new clothes, you know, yeah. open world stuff. It's yeah.
1: It's, you know, like the fun of red dead going into a new store and making Arthur look pretty.
0: Yeah. The haircut I got was a, a, parted backwards fade where it's like yeah. pomade straight back and then i got it really short on the sides which i'm like yeah. all right cool oh, yeah. so I'm, do and I'm gonna go buy some black shirts you can clean arthur Morgan up
1: are real good he looks slick man
0: yeah it's, i want to give him a mustache i and some sick chops i spent entirely
1: too much time like caring about arthur's like look when i played through that game when i really should just be like uh, shave the beard shave the hair down and, and that's good enough like i part of me is like arthur morgan would not spend this much time grooming himself but also dang i like how this like comb over looks with this coat
0: yeah but also i want to make i want to make people think when arthur walks into the camp be like arthur did you get a haircut that looks really good and i'm be like yeah it does motherfucker yeah that's cool i i think that's gonna be my continuing thing where i'm just my slow burn of beating open world games where I just kind of want to play a couple levels. Like a couple chapters in a book or a TV show. And not, like, binge all of it once. Because that's what I used to do with, like, San Andreas. I would play San Andreas, like... I think I played San Andreas over a year just doing a couple missions, but mostly running around the open world and stuff. Yeah. Which is one way to play them. Uh, Let's see, our last game on here is... Boyfriend Dungeon. Boyfriend Dungeon.
1: It's also available on Game Pass. Which is how I played it. So this is a, uh, you know, uh, a game by Kitfox Games. This was kickstarted pretty successfully. I remember seeing this around a lot of like Pack South convention floors during its development cycle. Is I think it's been at PAX South just about every year since that convention started, uh, and it's. You know, it's a sort of say, like dungeon crawling. I don't want to say rogue. I think roguelite might be the thing to say there because the dungeons are procedurally generated. Like the layout changes as you leave and come in. Uh, and the narrative setup of this game is you are going to a city called Verona Beach for the summer, and you are picked up by your cousin who takes you to his old apartment, and you're going to stay there until the lease is up at the end of the summer and while you're there your cousin is going to do his darndest to make sure that you go on some dates because you've never gone on a date with anyone before and oh no what yeah what starts is just this story of finding love but the thing is is all the people you're dating uh can also turn into weapons Uh, they are part people, part weapons. Like the first person you, first one of these you meet is a estic uh, called Isaac, uh, and he's like a a lawyer or like a legal representative. Uh, and you sort of you know you meet him as you are about to go into one of the dungeons, and you know that sort of starts up. Like he kind of helps connect you with some some other people. Your cousin helps you meet some other people and just meet people because. There are a lot of weapons in these dungeons because they're all being kidnapped for some reason, and you don't know why. Um, uh, yeah, and you know you use them as weapons as you explore these dungeons that are manifestations of your own fears. There's two dungeons. One is like your fear of change. The second dungeon is your fear of intimacy. And as you like use these weapons, I believe there's seven or six. Uh, you uh, like as you kill enemies and take them to like locations within the dungeons and give them gifts you are ranking up their love or affinity uh to the point where your relationship is deepening and you either form like a very good friendship or a very uh sort of passionate relationship uh that is also like not gated like you do not have to choose which dungeon i mean which dungeon which weapon you want to date uh, you can, like, form romantic relationships with each individual weapon, if you do so, please. And there's not, like, a penalty for doing so.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm watching some gameplay of this. I'm, I'm digging it. it. It's very reminding. It's reminiscent of the, like, dialogue scenes that were occurring in yeah. well, like what was the other one that people were, like, dating the hot dads one. Dream Daddy almost reminds me of dream daddy except yeah. you have like these dungeons you're going into and you're doing fights and it's yeah. like this almost isometric style fights kind of like you know i'll, I'll use hades as, as an example yeah. where you have your mini map and you're going from room to room clearing out enemies and doing stuff
1: yeah like the part of the that is like the dream daddy visual novel is like i'd say 40 percent of the game right and those are all like Specific sequences that are built around, you know, the the dates you go on as you deepen your relationship with your weapons. And, um, you know, like other like narrative things, like your encounters with your, you know, your cousin who invites you to like several parties throughout the summer, which is another opportunity for you to meet other weapons. And also the narrative beats that surround the character Eric, who is the first person you go on a date with, who like on that date is noticeably kind of overdoing it a little, and then as you continue to talk with him, or, you know, as the game continues, you realize he's a bit more than just a little overbearing. He is a stalker. And this is the sort of the narrative that the discourse of this game has kind of been stuck on uh, for a while, because, you know, people didn't... Like, the, the content warning that shows up at the start of this game when it first released was, like, this game contains mentions of of stalking and harassment, whereas did not mention that it was a specific part of the narrative that the player kind of has to interact with. They then updated that content warning to better reflect the part this content plays in its main narrative. Uh, and, and I will say, like, I understand why people wouldn't want to interact with it, but like the fantasy like this game is never not aware that Eric is a creep. Right? This game always knows that Eric is what Eric is doing is wrong and is creepy and is a violation of your privacy and like agency in a very real way, and never frames him as anything other than like the antagonist.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say Eric looks like a uh a pretty boy yeah like just looking at these pictures of him yeah like i mean blonde hair because like everyone's like very pretty like it's it's you know it's like everyone in that game everyone in the
1: game is very very pretty um you know eric is among them it's just sort of this behavior that surfaces as you you know interact with eric on like the in, in the ways that you have to interact with eric for the main narrative like you can mostly ignore eric throughout the game and it's it's pretty easy to do that um, and like the, th- the other thing that I will say like it like just sort of like capstone discussions around Eric is like the game like the fantasy around having this narrative in the game is that like Eric kind of realizes by the end of it that he's a creep and s- decides to start going to therapy like
0: he, good for him yeah like it is fun to be <laughs> smart decision. yeah it's
1: the thing is just like he like he knows like by the time he gets to the end of the game like he knows he's a creep and he's like okay i'm gonna work on this and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave like he leaves he doesn't sort of ask for your forgiveness or anything he's like i'm gonna start going to therapy i'm gonna go because i shouldn't be here and it's the last gotcha. see him like it's i would say in the way that the game handles that narrative it's pretty responsible uh, considering like the really low bar that like video games have for handling complex you know narratives and yeah. uh, subjects, and the sounds
0: like you ended up beating this.
1: Too. Yeah, I finished it. It's it's really short. Um, I think I I kind of ended up destroying the structure of the game a little in the way that I was playing it because I was not like forcing myself to go through every dungeon. I mean, the other thing about this game is it's relatively easy, or for me it was pretty easy, so I was getting really far into dungeons very quickly, so I was like going down one or two floors and then being like, okay, I need to leave the dungeon, so I'd either let my character get uh, knocked out. And the thing is, when you get knocked out in a dungeon, you don't lose anything, whether it be XP or resources that you gather, you don't like, lose anything at all, um, or I would just leave the dungeon via the elevator that spawns on certain floors. And the thing is, is the end game content unlocks when you get a weapon to like a a 6 love rank, right? From like, you have a scale from 1 to 6. And once you get a weapon to the 6 love rank, uh, the end game content kind of unlocks. And you get to, you can choose to go fight, you know, uh, your final confrontation with Eric. The thing is, I hadn't finished the second dungeon by the time I got a weapon to level 6. And... Like I had this whole beat where it's like we gotta go, we gotta go see what's up with Eric now. We gotta solve this whole thing. I was like, but wait, the dungeon under the under the dance club. I gotta go stop that. And I have these other weapons I need to level up. Um, and it's just like because of how I like mess with the structure, like it was really strange because like that that second dungeon is about your fear of intimacy. Uh, but because I had reached like max rank on a couple of weapons, I had already like formed like intimate relationships with like these people, and so it's just like the way that that interacted with the where the narrative was and where my character was at the time was just was a little uh, there's some dissonance there. It didn't necessarily work that well. So uh, the thing that I will say is like if you end up playing this or to anyone ends up playing this, uh, like don't feel like you need to sort of gate how far you get into a dungeon as you're playing it. Like the in-game content will unlock as soon as you get anything to level six, but you can hit that stuff at your own pace.
0: Well, I guess the bonds that you formed with other people helped you come go by your personal yeah. uh troubles and it let you get to the end game. Yeah, so you did it. Got also. to the end
1: game surprisingly quickly. It's very short. They said they're gonna add more stuff to it. Like I think there's there's like two characters that were involved in that Kickstarter that I don't think are there that I'm pretty sure are going to be added later. You know, like one of them is teased in a party at your cousin's where he says, oh, I'd, I'd love to go dungeon delving with you, but uh, I need have a business trip that's going to take me out of Verona until the end of the summer. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, bye. He's like, bye. And we Send me a text later that was like uh i hope we see each other
0: again soon i'm like i'm sure we'll see each other sooner than we think yeah uh so okay so i have so some honest. questions what's up, what's about up, what's the up. structure of this game uh okay so do you pick a gender in the beginning yeah. or is it so very so you create a character it's
1: you know uh using he him she her they them uh pronouns it's like it's all pretty custom i will say like the detail of the character is not like, defined enough to where I think they're going to, like, like, depending, choosing a certain gender does not make you, like, look any differently, right? It does not, like, change the structure of your avatar such as it is. Like, it's, it's a bit too simple for that. Like, purposefully, I would say, built simple enough to where it doesn't warrant that changing around much. Uh, and this is all, like, they're all saying, like, you, right? Like, no one, when they say your name, it's, like, the name that you input, like, um, and, like, it's being sort of told from the first person's perspective. So, like, you are you, right? Like, the camera is always your perspective of what you're seeing. It's, you know, in the way that visual novels are.
0: Okay. And this is specifically Boyfriend Dungeon. You're I'm guessing you're mostly dating, like, male characters? No. Because I saw you interacted with, like, a female characters. I think her name was Valerie. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, like, there are... Um, two. Okay, so I'm gonna you know, think about this for a moment. So, the characters, there are two male characters, like two characters who are uh, ident- identifies as male. There is one character who identifies as a woman, and there are two non binary characters. Um, there is also a cat. You don't date the cat, the cat is a set of brass knuckles. Um,. Uh so you just you hang out and you become friends with a cat and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool the cat's actually really good um so a
0: little almost a little social linky like persona where you're you don't have to specifically date these people but you are like spending time with them and getting to know them yeah
1: like there's yeah you don't have to like pretty quickly in your uh at the start of your relationship with these people it asks whether or not if you're on board for this being romantic in nature Uh, And you can very quickly say no. And at any time, if you decide that it is going to be romantic, at any time you can pull out of that, right? And you'll still be friends. Um, Like it. Like now, I'm looking at like I'm double checking the the fan wiki. Uh, But like, yeah, it's like at any point in time, you can still be friends with these people, Uh, or you can choose to become like intimate with them. And it's it doesn't affect the game either way. Like there is a uh, there's a video there's a youtube video essay it's not about boyfriend dungeon but does mention it I believe it's from the youtube channel Molina pendulum if I remember correctly and the section of her video that like talks about boyfriend dungeon also features the impressions of a uh, of someone of like an ace person an asexual person playing the game and like being satisfied with the fact that the game does not sort of Push you into being romantic with any of your weapons, unless you want to.
0: Okay, that's cool. I would, I would really, and I think I'm excited to hear that because I, you know, I want to get to know everybody in here, but I also want to create my anime wife, like harem of women, because I'm a terrible person. So I'm glad you can kind of get to know lots of different people and kind of interact with different people without, like. Being in a committed relationship with anybody, or you kind of have choices on different stuff. And uh, second question is: Are the brass knuckle cats like? Is there? Does it look like a cat? Do the brass knuckles look the, like the a cat? The brass
1: knuckles do not look like a cat. The brass knuckles transform <sighs> into a cat. I mean,
0: missed opportunity they have, there. They
1: have like claws at the end of them, right? The brass knuckles have like you know these sort of indit indit points of like brass knuckles, like between where you put your fingers. Uh, there are like spikes there. So you're technically clawing okay. at people when you when you do some slashing moves, but that's that's about it. There's no like cat theming.
0: Okay. That's not too bad. Sounds like they've got some they've got some claws in there. That's cool. This sounds fun. I um I mean, it's on Game Pass. I'll probably mess around with that a little bit. It seems like something you could play for an hour or two and be like, Yeah, this is pretty cool. I like this. Yeah. Nice little experience. Like you know, when you're pulling something up on Netflix and you're just like, I want to experience this, but I'm probably not gonna finish it all the way. Yeah.
1: It, it's you know, it's just real short, easy to hop into, and, like, it's pretty easy to get, like, a hint of whether or not you'll actually, like, where the game's going, um, and, I like, guess it stands right now, it's, it's, like, it's, you know, it's fine. It's, it's a fun game. There's some things around, like, um, like, some of the relationships they enter into is, like, like, own, like, around. Like, one of them, like, one of the relationships they can enter into is, like, with this college kid named Sawyer, and they are kind of, like they're kind of coded as being like, oh, they're okay. So there are two characters that identify, three characters that identify as Eam, but Sawyer is kind of coded as like being like a like a young, very young college student. And immediately, he was like, mm, no,
0: please don't flirt with yeah. me. I'm a young college student. Yeah, it's don't like I am this. not
1: flirting with this young college student. Thank you very much. Like we will be friends. I will show them how to cook food uh, because they're absolutely hopeless in that regard. But like, I am not flirting with this disaster child thank you very much oh okay. uh,
0: well that sounds pretty cool yeah. I, i'll give it a shot all right we're we're hitting the hour mark so uh thanks for joining us uh, overall how what's your what's your final impressions on boyfriend dungeon how, how was it for you?
1: um i mean depending on their next update like i might i might check it out like as they start adding because
0: there are two characters
1: that they're that are sort of listed as coming soon on the uh boyfriend dungeon fan wiki uh so like once those characters get added in, i might revisit it who knows um but it's it was fun while i was there even though i could definitely see the seams around where i had kind of destroyed the game structure
0: yeah you you uh you did some you speed ran this game is what it sounds like (laughs) haha yeah or
1: like dragged it out to the point it didn't make sense anymore is what i'll say
0: yeah well we uh looks like we got game news coming up it'll probably come if you're listening this the day of it'll be the day after but there's a separate video for game news or a separate podcast for the audio listeners so thanks for joining me austin thank you for having me and uh see you next time i guess later viewers later listeners